Hey everyone, thanks so much for allowing me to join you today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a foundational belief that we have as Christians, and that's this, that God loves everyone. And it's awfully important that we talk about it right now, because in the wake of George Floyd's tragic death in Minneapolis and the protests and some of the riots that have followed, it's important for us to understand what the Bible has to say about race and how God views us and how He wants us to view each other. And today I want to give you some very practical principles from His Word, as well as some applications that we can put into practice right now uh, to help us love each other more and love each other the way God wants us to love each other. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we live in a time when there are people with all kinds of agendas, political or personal or whatever it might be, um, when it comes to the issue of race right now. And Lord, we would love to know what you say. So God, I pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way and teach us from your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Guide us today now. Lord, we want to love each other the way you want us to. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. Say what you once said to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to give you a few principles uh, straight from God's Word. And the first is this, that we are all created in God's image, all of us. Starting on the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, we may rule, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over the livestock and all the wild animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God breathed life into them, His Spirit. So we have a mind that can communicate with God's mind and think His thoughts. We have emotions that can be touched with the same things that touch God's heart. And we have a will that can choose to obey Him in love or that can choose to disobey Him in sin. And that's why we live in the fallen world we do. But we are special. We are much more than just animals. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for the whole world. For God loved the whole world so much, He sent His Son. So that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Every single soul on earth is of sacred worth to God. We're all created in God's image. Secondly, I want to remind us that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. One day, this is from Luke 10, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered by quoting from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked, well, who is my neighbor? I mean, if you ask me to love my neighbor, how big is the neighborhood, Jesus? I mean, what are you defining that as? And so Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which was a very dangerous road, by the way, and he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. But then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. 
Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, and then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, you may have heard that story before, but I want to make sure we understand in the context of the day that there are some strong indicators here about how God views all of us as being created in his own image. This story would have shocked the original audience because Samaritans were the descendants of people, of Jewish people who had intermarried with Gentiles, pagans. They were considered traitors to their race, traitors to their religion, and a good Jewish person like the expert in the law who was questioning Jesus would have nothing to do with them. And for him to uh, hear a story where the hero of the story was a Samaritan was unbelievable. In fact, I don't even, even know if you caught this, but when Jesus said, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. He wouldn't even say the word Samaritan. That's how much he stood opposed to a whole race of people. And yet Jesus chose the Samaritan on purpose in this story to be the hero because the Samaritan was the one person out of all the three who passed the hurt man, who passed by the man who was deeply hurt, who saw him as a person created in the image of God and took compassion on him. You know, if you and I have the heart of a neighbor, that's when we'll see the needs around us, regardless of a person's racial background. And that is so important. It's also important to understand that uh, it was costly to the Samaritan. It cost him time. He had to go out of his way. It cost him money, at least, you know, taking care of the man for weeks there. It took effort. He had to load a, bandage him up and load him on his donkey and take him to this inn because he was willing to go across racial lines that this Jewish leader wouldn't have done. It's also significant to note that the priest and the temple worker would have known the verses from Deuteronomy and Leviticus that have been quoted earlier in this story. They would have known those by heart. They knew it, but they didn't do it. And the real thing is, is Jesus tells this man, he says, yes, now go and do the same. It's not just what we know in our minds about what God thinks. It's how we live those convictions out that proves whether or not we are faithful. And so we're created in God's image. Jesus commands us to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And Jesus says, anyone who has a need is your neighbor, regardless of what we look like on the outside. Thirdly, it's important to remind ourselves that racism is sinful and wrong. God doesn't show favoritism or judge us by our outward appearance. He doesn't. There's an interesting story told in the New Testament in Acts chapter 10, where Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, has been uh, approached by some people asking him to come to the home of a Roman centurion, a, a Roman soldier who has been visited by an angel. The angel told the Roman uh, gentleman named Cornelius to go get Peter and Peter would tell him the good news of the gospel. The, the, the Roman wanted to know more about God, wanted to have a relationship with him. And so when Peter showed up at his house, his whole house was filled with friends and relatives and Peter went in and he'd never even been in a Gentile house before. 
the Jews rejected the Samaritans because they had intermarried with Gentiles, but they also rejected Gentiles as people who were hopelessly lost and people that God didn't have any use for. And they forgot completely that though they were God's chosen people, God also loves the whole world. Well, when Peter went into the house, it was the first time as a good Jewish boy that he'd ever been in a Gentile house. And when he started telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone in the room, just as the Holy Spirit had fallen upon Peter and the other disciples on Pentecost. And Peter said this, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. From every nation. I mean, God doesn't show favoritism. The scripture also tells us that the Lord doesn't judge us by our outward appearance. In the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel was sent to anoint the second king of Israel. And God had told him to go anoint uh, one of the sons of a man named Jesse. So he went to Jesse's farm and uh, had all his sons brought out. And the first son that he saw was a man named Eliab. And he was strong and tall and good looking. And Samuel thought, well, this certainly looks like a king. I'm going to go anoint him. But the Lord spoke to him at that moment. And he said, not him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And isn't that good news? That we don't have to all be young and beautiful for God to love us. We don't have to be a certain height or a certain weight or a certain age or have a certain color hair or a certain color of skin. God looks at the heart. It's why the scripture also tells us to be very careful about judging other people because we can't see their hearts. Only God can. And that's why racism is very wrong because prejudice literally means to prejudge someone. I've made up my mind before I even know you, I'm going to assume I know what you think because of your outward appearance. And that's a terrible thing. In fact, James talked about this in James chapter 2. He said, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord and Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. Now, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, hey, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the answer is, of course we have. God doesn't want us to judge people by outward appearance. He doesn't. Praise God. I mean, He knows when we're sincere. He knows our hearts. And we love Him for that. He wants us to extend, extend that same sort of love to others and uh, make sure that we know them as people and never judge as individuals and never judge people by our outward appearance. So we're creating God's image. God commands us to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And racism is sinful and wrong. And fourthly, I'd remind us today that Jesus came into our world to destroy barriers, not build them up. In Ephesians, or in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said these words, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The biggest barrier that ever existed was the barrier that existed for all of us. The barrier between holy God and sinful people because we're all sinners. No matter where we come from, no matter what we look like on the inside, we all have, I mean the outside, we all have sinful hearts on the inside. And when Jesus came into our world, he came to pay the penalty for all our sins, for the sins of the whole world. 
He died once for all to bring us to God. And so Paul says we have peace with God because of what Jesus did. It's significant that when Jesus died on the cross, the day he died, right when he bowed his head and he said, it is finished, a curtain, the curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple was torn from top to bottom in the temple in Jerusalem. That curtain was a barrier for sinful people to ever walk into the presence of God. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that barrier was removed. We all need Jesus. And he came to remove barriers between us and God and also between us and others. After Peter had shared the gospel with Cornelius' friends, Paul went out to share the gospel with a whole bunch of Gentiles all around the world. And the question was, could non-Jewish people come to Jesus the same as Jewish people? And Paul said, yes. In Ephesians 2.14, he said, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. That's Ephesians 2. In, in Galatians 3, he went on to say, And all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, all of us. And if it was true for Jew and Gentile, then it's true for uh, Asians and Hispanics and African Americans and Caucasians and Native Americans and any other race. We all come to God through Christ Jesus and we all come as one. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And Jesus came to tear down barriers between us and God and between us and each other. It's significant to note also that in heaven there'll be no racial barriers of any kind. When John was given a glimpse of heaven, here's what he saw. After this I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. A few months ago on Palm Sunday, I read that scripture because on the day that Jesus rode a donkey down into Jerusalem, he was heading to Jerusalem to become a sacrifice for our sins, the people were waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us is what Hosanna means. And they were waving palm branches that now they would finally have victory. Well, in heaven, they're waving palm branches too, but they're not saying save us. They're saying that he has saved us. Salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb, speaking of Jesus. And they're from every tribe and nation and tongue all over the world. So the Bible teaches us clearly that God's love is for everyone. That he came in, Jesus came into the world to destroy barriers, not build them up. That God doesn't choose us based on our outward appearance. And he doesn't want us to choose others that way either and make distinctions. God looks at the heart. Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors, and he said the whole world is filled with our neighbors. And we're created in God's image. These are truths that we need to embrace, and we need to work into our conversations. Because right now, I believe we have a tremendous opportunity to demonstrate God's love. In fact, I sat down the other day with Diane Thomas. She's the assistant police chief here in the city of Prattville. 
And we discussed this. Uh, we discussed my outline, and we talked about some ways that we could put into practice God's love and demonstrate that love to our neighbors. I want you to hear what she has to say. Today I am with Diane Thomas. She's the assistant police chief here in Prattville, and we met about six years ago through an organization called One Prattville, and I wanted you to come in and uh, talk to us a little bit about you know some of the issues that we're going through right now regarding uh, police and racism and things, because One Prattville was set up for us to have a forum to talk about those things. Yes, yes. Uh, about six years ago, when Chief Thompson came to the Prattville Police Department, we talked about some things that uh, we felt needed to be added to the program, so we, we reached out and we came up with this name, One Prattville, because we wanted everybody in the city to feel like they were a part of Prattville. So we reached out to the local ministers uh, on both sides of the aisle, and um, our goal was to form this group that could be spokesmen and women for, for the private police department in the event or if we ever faced a Ferguson situation, and this was shortly after Ferguson. So we, we built some relationships in the communities and uh, we built relationships with the with the ministers, yeah, so which we is could still all, going on. Right, yeah. so we could all work together on yes, this. And yes. so um, this gives us an opportunity now to, to talk about things in a, uh, at another level, right? And, and that's important, but what I wanted to remind everybody is one of the things that's very clear whenever you work in any of these community organizations, a community organization is important, but more important than that, it first of all has to start out in my own heart. That's right. And one of the things that if I'm going to demonstrate God's love, the first thing I have to do is I have to ask God to root out racism and prejudice in my own heart. In Psalm 139, David said, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And Diane, you're a Christian. I mean, that's true. It's not just the community stuff. It starts with us. It starts at home. And, and you know, it's our responsibility uh, as a Christian, as a, as a mother, as a father, to train our children up. Start them early. Teach them to love one another and, and, and root out hate and those type things. Because on a larger level, you're not going to reach as many people directly like that. So I think it's it's imperative that we we start those things at home. But you and I were talking too, when we ask the Lord to show us things, He expects us to deal with them though, That's right? That's right. If you're going to request some things from the Lord, we, get, we got to be open to receive them and we must repent because we're all sinners and oh, yeah. we all have work to do. Yeah, and especially in this issue, um, this is something we need to be hum to humbly come before the Lord and say, God, would you show me if I have an attitude to change yes. or would you show me yes. if there's something sinful in me? Yes, yes. So, we have a tremendous opportunity now that God can even take a situation like with George Floyd's death and the um, protests and other things, that the riots that happened after all that. Now that this is out in the open, this topic is up for discussion, we need to make adv take advantage of that. Yes, yes. So if we ask God to root out racism and prejudice in our hearts, the second thing we can do, that's one thing. The second thing we can do is we can do what's right. Yes. Um, in Micah 6, 8, it says, O people, the Lord has told you what's good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what's right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that's important in a police officer's life um, to not just stand by when things are being done wrongly, right? That's exactly right. We have a we have a responsibility, a duty, and, and not just police, but outside of police, but also especially in police, uh, what we do with, when we bring in new officers, the chief and I talk, we have several talks with them, 
And the final talk before they hit the road is that we expect you to treat everybody like you wish to be treated. Um, and it's your responsibility that if an officer is doing something wrong, I don't care if it's your, your chief of police or if, it's, if you're a rookie officer. If it's you? If it's me. You, you must report it. It's your responsibility because if you fail to report that, then you become a part of that problem. So it's, it's a and problem. And that's what happened with George Floyd. Yes, yes. There were other officers there that didn't do that anything. That stood by and didn't do anything. And I tell you, there's absolutely no way that I could have stood by and watched a police officer or anybody for that matter, even in the public. It's my, it's my responsibility. I don't think I could have slept that night if I had stood by and watched this, this officer do those things. So. Right, but it doesn't just depend in your, it's not just for you to adhere to that about doing what's right, it's for me too. I mean, if I'm in a conversation if, at church or at work or anyplace else, and there's, because um, we're talking about racial, in, uh, racial issues and injustice and other things, if there are things going on that shouldn't be said and shouldn't be done, then I need to speak up. I can't just be silent about that. That's right, because when you speak up, and, and that's probably one of the reasons we are where we are today. Too many people have kept silent. Nobody well, we should have said up. something. We, we must speak up. And, and speaking up and doing the right thing might not always be popular to some people, but it's the right thing to do. So we have a responsibility to do those things. And the good news is we, want to, we know the right thing because we have God's Word on yes. it. Um, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on very quickly, it says in James 3, it says, The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly <laughs> poison. Sometimes it prays our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Yes. Okay, we're all created in the image of God, which is why it's so wrong to judge other people. But these things, it's not just our tongues, it's even our thumbs, isn't it? That's exactly right. Social media, we know that that news travels really fast. And a lot of things are going out. People are saying what their opinions are and it, it creates an unhealthy environment for a lot of people. And we also have to be careful of who we follow and what we like. Yeah, because if we, people uh, can use anything on this uh, to even get us into trouble. Right. And so we need to be very careful. Another thing that we can do, we can, first of all, we can ask God to root out racism and prejudice in our own hearts. We can do what's right. But the third thing we can do is we can overcome evil with good. And in Romans 12, Paul said, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to God. That's right. God says, you love people. If there's any score to settle, I'll settle it. And you told me uh, when we were talking uh, before this that you grew up in Selma and your parents went through all the... Uh, marches and other things in the 60s and they experienced some things that were very hard and painful for them. That's true, yes. I, 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 I'm a 60s child and, and my parents did uh, experience some, some pretty tough things. But one thing about it, um, even with what they faced back in the 60s, they never taught us to hate anybody. I grew up in a family where the, the, the grandparents, my parents, my grandparents on both sides and, and family members all taught us to love one another. I went to an all-black school and had never interacted with, uh, with white students. Uh, but as, after I graduated high school, I went to UAB and I played basketball. Totally, that was a big shift. Uh, it was probably 90, 90% uh, Caucasian and, and the 10%. But it did make a difference because I played basketball with those ladies that, that were not the same race as me, but it didn't matter. Because I truly didn't see the color, I saw the heart, and that's that's what I was 
taught. That, that, that is what I, I, I grew up uh, under, and that's who I am even today. And the reason your parents and grandparents reacted that way is that was because of their faith. Yes, yes. Their strong faith. In, faith. Their strong faith in yes. Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when you and I talk about this, if you and I are truly open to saying, God, show me if there's something I need to change in my heart, and we're truly willing, if God gives us the strength and the courage and the opportunity, if we're truly willing to speak up and do what's right, and if we're truly willing to treat others with love, even if they haven't treated us that way, do you believe there's hope that things can really I do. change? I truly do. I do, because I have hope in Christ, and I believe that. And, and I think, um, as we said earlier, if, if we're going to request those things, we've got to be willing to do them because if we're asking and not going to do it, then it's, it's, it's pointless. But I do have hope. I do have hope. I've seen changes already, and I believe that change will continue to come. Mm. One verse on that. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him, and then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is going to come when we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to change us in whatever way we need to change. Diane, I'm grateful for all that you do for the city of Prattville. I'm grateful for your time today, and I'm grateful that you're my friend. Thank you. I'm glad to be your friend also. We have a tremendous opportunity right now to demonstrate God's love. We have God's Word to guide us. We have His Holy Spirit to empower us, and we have opportunities all around us. So I hope that you will pray with me today about this. I mean, will you join me in prayer right now? Let's ask God to show us what things need to change in our lives. If there are any attitudes that need to change, if there are any opportunities we have to speak up, if there are ways that we can demonstrate God's love to other people, even if they haven't been lovely to us, let's ask God to give us courage to do that. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, gracious God, we thank you that this is the day that you've made. And Lord, even though there is trouble all around us, Lord, you are not worried. In fact, you knew we would be here and you have left us here to be your witnesses, your hands and your feet in a broken and fallen world. Lord, I pray that you will guide us now, that we can take advantage of every opportunity to show others your love. Lord, show us attitudes in our own hearts that need to change. Lord, when we have the opportunity to speak up and stand up for things that are right and true, give us the courage to do so. And Father, when we have the opportunity to show love toward people who may not have been lovely toward us, oh God, I pray that you will work in our hearts so that we can repay evil with good and anger with kindness. Oh God, we pray for our country that, Lord, your will would be done here, that we could bring peace so there would not be more turmoil. We pray, Lord, that you would protect us from evil people who would want to take advantage of uh, tension-filled situations for their own personal gain or for uh, political motives or selfish motives. Lord, we don't want to do that. We want to do the things that are right. And so, God, we pray that you will show us ways that we can speak openly and honestly with brothers and sisters come from different backgrounds and different races. We can share the wonderful news and the foundational truth that, God, you love everyone. Oh, Father, we pray that you would forgive us for our sins and you would strengthen us through your Holy Spirit 
and you would fill our hearts with joy. Oh God, and hope. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.